Welcome to Mostly Books Meets. We're the team at Mostly Books, an award-winning independent bookshop in Abingdon. In this podcast series, we'll be speaking to authors, journalists, poets, and a range of professionals from the world of publishing. We'll be asking about the books that are special to them, from childhood favourites to the book that changed their life, and we hope you'll join us for the journey. This week I'm speaking to children's author Alex Falase Coyer. Alex was the winner of Spread the Words 2019 London Writers Awards for YA and children's books, and his letter to my future self can be found on their website. Alex was inspired to write his debut book, Marvin the Mega Robot, after struggling to find superheroes in fiction who look like him. By creating Marv, a superhero whose strengths are kindness and imagination, Alex hopes to have created a character to whom all children can relate. The first two books for Alex's series on Marv were published on the 3rd of February. Alex, welcome to Mostly Books Meets. Yeah, um, great to be here. Great to be here. It's lovely to have you. As I do with all of my customers, I'd like to go back to your childhood and start from there. So you're London born and raised. You're a London native. Tell me about your childhood. So yeah, my childhood was mostly me going to libraries loads. My mother always used to take me and picking out loads and loads of books and reading those. I was a person who was big into reading from a super young age. And that was kind of most of my childhood for better and for worse, because I was like uh, so obsessed with books that I'm not doing loads of things like talking to loads of other people. Oh. But yeah, that's that kind of, yeah, that's my, that was my thing. So you were sat in the corner reading books and kind of in your own little magical world. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I love going into that little magical world. Yeah, I can't beat it, can you? Um, do you have a memory of the first book you read or is there a particular book that sticks out in your mind from when you were a child? Yes, actually The Witches. Yes. That's a book that I kind of read pretty much all um, his books, but The Witches kind of very much stuck out to me as something which was kind of scary as an account to read, but also super enticing as well. Yeah, it was just like a, a very, very, very fun read and something that I loved. Did it make you start looking around at everybody when you were walking down the street and working out whether any of them were wearing wigs and like had these gloves on? <laughs> yeah. Certainly did that to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I love that scene when they all take off their wigs and it's just like, oh, it's happening. I agree. I it's pretty, it is, when you look back on it now, it's pretty scary for a book for a young kid, but it is fantastic. Yeah. There's also, there's a movie that came out a while ago. Not, there's a more recent movie, but there's a movie that came out a while ago. And me and my girlfriend tried to watch it. And my girlfriend was too scared. She she was like, yeah, we need to check out of this movie. <laughs> it's scary. I haven't seen either of the films, but the trailers always look slightly terrifying. I have to say it's put me off watching them. But I was the same. It was a big book for me as a child. And I just think Royal Dahl's books as a, as a whole are just fabulous. And they're still going strong. You know, in our shops, yeah. we always have them in and they sell and sell and sell. So, you know, it's a classic, isn't it? Mm. So what kind of impact do you think really had on you as a child? How do you think it influenced you? I think that a big influence that it had on me is that it kept me thinking about, I was, I guess it, my imagination was very kind of over the top. I always used to think about, um, this is a thing which I think most children have, but I used to think like, oh, but what if I had powers? What if I had superpowers? Or what if I, what if I could do things? 
what if I was living in this imaginary world and I had all these adventures? So I think my imagination was, I think, the big thing that was impacted in that it, my imagination was always like trucking along at like 100 miles an hour. And I used to always do these weird things where I would like get my toys. Like sometimes I'd have these like action men, all right? And then I used to have like these felt tip pens, which were like different colors. So I would make them like fight and I'd have all these stories in my head. And while I would do that, I would use these pens. And if I said, oh, this character's bleeding now, I'd like I'd draw a little like a red <laughs> mark on its face and stuff like that. And be like, oh, this is character's bleeding. So I would almost like create the stories as well with the things which I had to hand. I love that. I love that. So you were coming up with stories, you know, even in a kind of a play form from a really young age. When did you actually start writing things down? Was that part of school or did it come later? That came a bit later, probably when I was in my early teens. I started just trying writing things out and it was horrible. Everything I wrote, bad. I'm so glad that I do not have any of that saved right now. Because I'm sure it'd be horrible things to read. But yeah, obviously, as time goes on, you get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. So did you kind of spend a lot of your time writing through your teens? Or was it just something you kind of dipped in and out of? And is it something you did through school? Like, How did your kind of interest in writing grow? It was something which I did more by myself and outside of school. I think with school, unfortunately, I was never good at like English mm-hmm. as a class. It didn't work for you. Yeah, English literature wasn't that great at those subjects. And I think mostly because the type of reading and writing that I like to do was so fantastical and so out there. So it was mostly a thing which I would do in my own time and in my own space. I used to have like a little notebook and I just used to write. And then what I would do is I would write in that notebook and then I would type things up into a computer. And then like there used to be like websites where you could post things like that. Mm-hmm. And so you eventually you post things. So that's kind of what I used to do. That's kind of what my tiny writer ecosystem was. <laughs> I love it. Obviously worked there, obviously motivated you. I mean, you're clearly creative. And when I was doing some research on you, I found some tracks on SoundCloud. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that was you, right? I don't know. Was it? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad. I found some music tracks on SoundCloud. I don't know if they, I, I, it looks like you, you know, the name, same name as you, but I don't know if it was you. <laughs> Maybe. I need to look. Who knows? I don't know what I may have left things in the in the ether. I will, I need to look into this. I need to look into this myself. <laughs> I actually really like them if they were you. But you know, it's just it's clear talking to you, you know, you clearly have a creative mind and you've clearly had displayed that in different ways, you know, as you were growing up. I mean, when was it that you realized you wanted to make a go of of writing children's books? I think that how I used to write when I was growing up is I would just write what I wanted to write. And it was as time went on. I would slowly realize that what I was writing was children's fiction. It wasn't like I started off and I was just writing children's fiction. And in my head, I was like, I'm writing children's fiction. It's just something that happened over time. And so I'd keep writing, I'd keep writing, I'd keep writing, keep trying to get better and trying to get better. And then I and then I thought to myself, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I got published or something like that? And then it's like working on that, which takes a while. It takes a long, long time. And so I don't know if there was a specific light bulb moment. It was more that I just kept making stuff and eventually I decided, hey, why not try and see if this goes anywhere? Mm. Um, tell me about the uh, Spread the Words 2019 London Writers Award. How did that come about and, and what was your submission and, and how was it when you found out you won the award? So, yeah, Spread the Word have this London Writers Award, which is like um, this competition that almost awards you a year-long writer development program. Wow. And Spread the Word are great. 
and their London writer development charity. And so I'd always been aware of them, but hadn't really applied to much before. I, and it was something I was, was in a stage in my life where I was like, oh, I don't know if, well, not if I didn't know if I was going to keep writing, but I wasn't going to be writing every day. Mm-hmm. I was kind of doing it kind of on and off. And then I just decided I was in like in Portugal, I was like on holiday. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to like, I have an idea for a young adult novel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the first chapter or two, how, how much I had to write to um, apply. I'm going to do that and I'm going to send it off and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then months later, they were like, hey, congratulations, <laughs> which was kind of wild to me because I think it was the first time ever that anything I'd ever written had been given any sort of thumbs up by the wider writing world. And so, yeah, it was obviously amazing. And then, yeah, when when on part of this writer development program, eventually found a writing group as part of that, um, a writing group who I'm still working with to this day. Brilliant. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was, like, really important. I've heard good things about writing groups, actually. You know, if you are an aspiring author, to have that group of people, that trusted group that can be critical in a good way, but also can be really encouraging. I've heard that, you know, that's a bit of a secret to success. You were signed up to OUP with a six-book deal. For a debut author, that's pretty amazing. What was it like to get a deal like that? It's difficult to say because kind of a way I was thinking about it is like everything happens in the writing industry very slowly. Yeah. Um, And so by the time you end up signing stuff like something like that, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm just signing something. It's it's not a big deal. It's just like becoming very, very regular. But however... If I could take that knowledge and pass it down to like a version of me that existed a year ago, that mm-hmm. version, that person would have like their brain would have exploded. It would have been like, <laughs> it would have been like this is insane. Yeah, it's something that is very difficult to grasp. But you had to have moments as everything goes on, like you seeing the illustrations for the first time and getting the book for the first time, and then listening to people who have read the book for the first time who aren't like you or inside the publisher. So it's like you have moments along the journey that make you realize, oh my god. This is really cool and this is amazing. Yeah, that's kind of what I would say. I'd never really thought about that. You're right. I mean, everyone everyone knows the publishing industry takes a long time, but I suppose because it's a, such a slow build, like you say, the steps along the way probably all felt quite minutiae. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh, actually, something major's happened. But, you know, it's just happened so gradually. So your books, is this six series of books, is a young reader's fiction series. So kind of we put it in our kind of five to six age range about a young black superhero called Marv. Tell us about the books. So the books are about this little boy called Marvin, who one day he goes into his loft and he finds a super suit and a high tech robot sidekick um, called Pixel. And he realizes that these belong to his granddad, who he lives with, and his granddad is passing them down onto him. and. What he ends up doing is he ends up using those things, this super suit, which almost has the power to do anything and is powered by like kindness and imagination. And with this super robot sidekick, he ends up having to save the day from um, kind of these super villains who have started to appear across the world. They're fantastic. And in my opinion, they kind of fill gap in the market in that age range, because there's quite a lot of books in that age range that are quite girly <laughs> and there weren't there are some in the age range that would appeal to both boys and girls but I think this one really will appeal to all of the children reading 
You mentioned the illustrations because um, the age range of the book it's a, it's a highly illustrated book and, and the illustrations are fantastic. Did you have any input into those or was it you were paired with an illustrator and then they took your story? How did that process work? How it worked is I was kind of paired with an illustrator, Paula Balls, who is amazing. Like the illustrations are so good. <laughs> um, yeah, her work is like amazing. But the thing that I found really interesting about working with her is because we work on books in stages. When I see the illustrations from like a previous book, kind of impacts how I will work on a book in the future. Because like oh, I'll like have more ideas and I'll think about, it'll be really cool if this was drawn like this. And I can like almost seed things in that sort of way. So I think that's been the really cool thing. That's fantastic. I'd never really thought about that. Them actually influencing you. That's so great. And the stories themselves, I mean, I mentioned in the introduction, you were keen to create a superhero that you could relate to, which you felt you didn't really see so much as a child, but also the fact that you had these themes coming through it, the kindness, the imagination that could appeal to all children. Where did all of these kind of ideas come from? Uh, Well, I think first thing I want to say is just that I am a massive superhero person and that (laughs) I am like, I have like a million photos of myself as a child wearing superhero costumes, (laughs) just like quite a lot, almost an embarrassing amount. My <laughs> mother used to say that I used to basically sleep in these costumes and that I used to like demand to wear them all the time. So I was like very big into superheroes as a child. And so I think that that's a massive influence for me is kind of my love of superheroes, superheroism as a child and almost wanting to, yeah, providing a character like that, that kind of both meets one thing which I really am interested in, which is providing um, more diversity um, children's books but also like is a superhero that all kids can relate to you know mm, absolutely I mean diversity is obviously an ongoing issue in the world of publishing it's something the industry is aware of and is gradually starting to address books like yours are a great way to move things forward I mean how important do you think it is for children to be able to open a book and see a character that they can relate to I think that it's extremely important I think that a thing we don't necessarily think about as much is that the kind of fiction that we provide to children it really does help shape their imagination. One anecdote I have is that when I was a child and I was like writing my first stories and my first stories, all of my main characters were white, all of them. And I would just really, stories, yes, and all of them would be white. And in my head, I kind of had like a had to have like a moment, like after writing a couple of stories, where I'm like, wait, wait a minute, I'm a black person. Why am I never writing stories with, with black main characters? Mm. And it's kind of like me realizing that, like, because I haven't seen that in a lot of the stories that I grew up reading, that's not what I thought like a main character could be. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of like a, a thing which, because of that, I think that's something which is particularly important to me because I realized, oh, this is important. And this does like, can change people's imagination in a very profound way. I really, really is. And we had an experience of this really recently in the shop, actually. Uh, there's a little boy called Ravi who's a regular... Well, he's come to our customer shop a few times and I don't know if you know there's a really wonderful series of books by Tom Percival um, and mm. one of them is called Ravi's Raw mm. and this little boy looks just like Ravi in Ravi's Raw when he, his mum and dad were telling me how excited he was about the fact that he'd found this book and he came to see us for an event we did and we had a, like a cardboard standee mm-hmm. and we gave it to him and he was literally I mean just beside himself with excitement and they just came in the other day and they were telling me that he's going to dress as Ravi for World Book Day which oh. they're saying might be a little bit of a cop-out but <laughs> but it's just you know it, it, seeing that firsthand it was just lovely so you know you you talk about the fact that you obviously you realize that 
you were writing about white protagonists because you saw them all the time, because you read about them all the time. So did you kind of notice that gap as you were growing up or is it just something you became more aware of as you became older? I think it's something I've become more aware of as I'm becoming older. It's something that you kind of like notice as a kid, mm. but as a kid, you're just kind of like, well, that's just kind of how things are. Mm-hmm. Well, you just kind of accept your world for what it is. And then it's kind of like, as you go older, that's when you start to think about it more, mm-hmm. probably question it a little bit more, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So the first two books in your series are out now. They came out on the 3rd of February and we're recording this a couple of weeks later. How have the first couple of weeks been for you? Oh, it's been busy, surreal. There's so many words I can use. It's kind of like <laughs> been interacting with children for the first time and doing like virtual school visits. So it's been very interesting to be able to see people kind of react a little bit to the books. And so I've been getting loads of that. And I think that's been the thing which I found really interesting is being the fact that they're out now and that people can actually read them. That's the thing which I found pretty interesting. How do you find the school visits? Because I always find this really interesting talking to authors because, you know, an awful lot of authors are naturally quite introverted. I don't know how you are personally, but um, and then and I think a lot of them don't kind of realise, especially children's authors, that there's this whole thing that once you've published a book, generally you have to go and stand in front of a bunch of kids to talk about them. <laughs> How's that been for you? Yeah, I'm the same in that I did. That was not something which I probably realized when I was doing any of this, like, oh, I'm going to write children's books. Like, I didn't realize, hey, I'm going to have to talk to children about them. Um, but <laughs> as you do it, it becomes pretty fun. Kids are very cute, especially when they're, especially get the age range that I'm writing for. And it's really cute to see the reactions to the books. So I found that pretty fun. I still will get very nervous and anxious in the morning before. <laughs> I'm going to get pretty nervous and pretty anxious. But when I start doing it, you kind of just get rolling and kind of just do it. And the more of it you do, the less anxious you'll become. And what I love about the age of the kids that you're writing for is they're so honest as well. So <laughs> they'll just say what they see, won't they? So, and, and, and they also have some, such amazing imagination. So if you're doing stuff with them that's quite interactive and asking them you know, questions about their own superheroes, or I don't know if you do that, but you know, this, the answers they come up with, I just love it. I love going to school events. It makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> so these days you live in London with your partner and your two cats, one of whom has been coming to say hi during this recording. Yeah. Um, what's life like for you? It's pretty cool. We live in this little house. I had COVID like a week ago. Oh no! That, yeah, that was unfortunate. I was fine. Okay. But yeah, I had to stay inside for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's, I don't know, I feel like my life is both exciting because I'm doing all these cool things. It's like I never imagined publishing a book and everything like that. But at the same time, I'm like, I still have to wake up every day and scoop cat poop. So like, <laughs> I, I'm always brought back down to earth, you know, if I ever get too big in my head, you know. <laughs> How do you manage your time in order to write? Are you someone that has a structure, so you get up and you do certain amounts, or is it that you kind of weave it in through the course of your day? I try and have a structure as much as I can. I have like word counts where I would say, if I'm working on a project, I'm going to be like, okay, I need to write 300 words today, so or mm-hmm. 600 words today. So I'm going to, I'm going to do 300 words in the morning and 300 words before I go to bed. So that's kind of the type of structure I like is just kind of having a word count and just hitting it for like maybe a month or something like that. That's the type of thing which I think works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite good to have your kind of self-imposed deadlines, isn't it? And by having a word count rather than a time frame, that means that, you know, some days you could just probably bash it out really quickly and others it's, you know, takes that much longer when you... Yes, when yes. Having the creative restrictions... Are you someone who plans your stories as you go or do they evolve as you write them? What I tend to do is I tend to have a loose plan. So I'll have like a, for every chapter, 
I'll have like, this is loosely what's going to happen. But what ends up happening a lot of the time is, for example, when you're just writing a chapter, sometimes you just realize that this chapter needs something. Mm -hmm. And then that means like, I may have to do a detour. I may have to like, stop what I'm doing now and do a little detour and do write a little something, which I know I'm going to come back to later or something. That's the type of way which which I do things. Mm -hmm. I always think it's really interesting talking to children's authors in particular, because you have to get so much into a relatively few number of words. I mean, obviously, the genre you're doing is when the children are starting to move away. They've moved away from picture books. They're just moving into chapter books. And so there's there's more text to play with. But there's still quite a lot to compress into a short amount of words. Do you kind of do that naturally? Or do you find that you kind of write more and then have to condense it down? I think that, generally speaking, I write in a very short way to begin with. <laughs> I, I try and not use as many words as I can. But it's still something that I have to work on. And it's still something where in edits, we have to go back and, and cut some stuff down. And sometimes what will happen is I'll write short and then I'll have to go back and add something <laughs> to begin with. So it kind of depends on the project and stuff like that. But I think I'm reasonably good. At least, yeah, with this, with the Marvel I think in my head, I kind of have like the, a little bit of the, okay, I know how to hit the word count. <laughs> yeah, you're on it. You're on it. So obviously, you already just touched on COVID. I mean, the last couple of years have been bonkers for all of us. And we're not far off the two-year anniversary of the first national lockdown. Things are starting to return back to normal. But I mean, how have the last two years been for you in terms of COVID? Yeah, it's kind of wild when I think about it, because my entire writing career, so to speak, existed during COVID, like the entirety of everything. Like my agent, who I'm signed with, I haven't met her physically. And it's actually Saturday is going to be the first day I'm going to meet her. In oh, wow. Life. So, so you've yeah. the whole thing remotely. Yeah. Well, that's so 21st century, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's so COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this very important phrase of my life has happened during this time period, unfortunately. But at the same time, I feel like hopefully cross fingers as things get a little bit better and things seeing people in person and kind of experiencing books and publishing in person will be something which I get to do more of. Mm. Oh, I think there's a good chance of that. Do you read a lot? Yes, I try. I used to read more when I was a kid, probably. But I do read quite a bit. Yes. What was the last book you read? The last book I read, actually, was Never Let Me Go by, I feel like I'm going to pronounce the same one, by Kazuo Ishiguro. Guru? Yeah, yeah, Ishiguro. Yeah. yeah, so that's the last book I read fairly recently. And that was, book was pretty heavy, but mm-hmm. also very, very interesting and very captivating. I think I'd try, because what happens is me and my girlfriend, we try and read books at the same time or around similar time frames so we can talk about them. Yeah, like your own little mini book club. Yeah, like our own little mini book club. <laughs> Sometimes I guess difficult because if I'm heavily writing, I don't necessarily want to be reading at all. Yeah. But we have managed to read quite a few things. Um, and so and so this is an example of something which I think we've read, especially Captivated Me or something that I, I really enjoyed. I was going to say, did you enjoy it? So what was it about it that you enjoyed? I think I know multiple things I enjoyed. One of the things I enjoyed was the idea of like, hey, at the end of the day, this is pretty fantastical. Like there's like a pretty heavy sci-fi-ish element to it but it feels at the same time pretty grounded in the idea of like you're watching these people's lives as they grow older and it feels like you're following these people throughout their kind of lives in this 
in some ways, sometimes the mundanity, but sometimes also the very much on mundanity because obviously of what actually ends up happening. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed seeing that throughout the book and it was just something which, yeah, it, it just kind of very much spoke to me. Excellent. Now, as a bookseller, I have a theory that anybody that reads books has a book that has had an impact on them. It's kind of changed their life and that could be professionally, it could be personally. Do you have a book like that? And if so, what is it? Yeah, so I have this book by Joseph Delaney called The Spook's Apprentice. This is like a children's book, but it is a pretty dark children's book. It is about kind of this boy. He's the seventh son of the seventh son. And so it means that he has certain qualities which makes him suited for dealing with dark things which exist out in the world, like witches and ghosts and stuff like that. And it is like set in this almost like medieval England. And it is a kind of this 12-year-old boy who has to leave home and basically start training to face up to these dark objects and dark things. Um, so what was it, why did it have such an impact on you? I think that the the definition I had maybe of children's books when I was growing up was a little bit like they had to be light and was a little bit like, hey, you know, they're kind of mostly light and kind of mostly, you know, pretty light in that sort of way. But when I read that book and kind of like it ends up being a series of books, it goes on pretty long. It was just something that impacted me as like, it was just a book I just read over and over and over again because it was like something was like a 12-year-old boy, which is about the age I was at when I read it. And yet it is like, it, it was pretty dark and there, there are ghosts in here and it's like, and yeah, and, it, and dark things happen. And it was like, it felt so cool. It was one of the things where I read it and I kind of felt like maybe one day I want to write something like this maybe. And so, yeah, that was something which I think especially spoke to me as a young preteen boy, I think. I love that. So actually the dark element made you go, hmm, actually, this is a bit more interesting and perhaps... Perhaps I could do something. That's so cool. So obviously, as I mentioned, you've got a six-book deal with the Marv books. So two have come out. You've got another four um, in the series to come. Next one is due out, I believe, in July. Yes. However, you've been working on another really exciting project, and you are the uh, the co-author of Marcus Rashford's debut children's book, The Breakfast Club. How did that come about? Um, yeah, they kind of reached out to the publisher, Macmillan, reached out to my agent to see if I was interested in doing it and of course I was yes and then um what ended up happening is they asked me to kind of like write basically an example of the type of thing I would want to write for it and kind of like the ideas I would have for it Mm -hmm. and then I gave them that and they said yeah let's do it um wow so they actually approached you about it yes that's amazing. And how has it been working with Marcus? I mean, actually working with anybody as opposed to working by yourself. I mean, it's quite a different way of doing things, isn't it? Yeah, it is a different way of doing things. It's kind of like both different and the same at the same time. What I think about imagination and what ultimately is that I think imagination thrives when you are given kind of structure and limitation sometimes. Like I think that sometimes is like the best time for your imagination is when somebody says, hey, do something kind of like this. So talking with Mark Rashford and his team and stuff like that, and kind of having an idea about the type of thing that they wanted it to be about was something that immediately kind of had my imagination racing and thinking like, oh, well, we could do something like this or do something like that or do something like that. In a way, I think that for me, my imagination was probably peaked more from this than if somebody had just said, hey, write a middle grade book. Yeah, um, because of 
the things that they kind of wanted it to be about. And so that kind of like pushed me to be like, oh, yeah, I could do this and do that. Mm. So it kind of gave you a bit of a skeleton structure, a bit like you were saying with your illustrations, you know, and your Marv books, kind of seeing something or hearing something then kind of points you in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. I mean, it's out in what May, 26th of May. So you've got a busy few months coming up. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like my brain has just almost like forgotten that this, oh, this Max Rush book, oh, it's not not coming out. It doesn't doesn't exist. It doesn't (laughs) exist. Not a real thing. And then it's like, even though I've finished it and I'm just like, I can just like forget about it. And then it's like May. I'm like, what month is May? How many months away is that? Oh, oh. Ooh, that's coming pretty quickly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's going to be read pretty quickly, and I hope people like that book. Oof. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And what else are you working on at the moment, or are you just kind of focusing on the Marv books and, and just kind of enjoying the ride? So I did did Marv books. So uh, you know how cause Marv is a, basically a chapter book, and then I did thing with the Marcus Rashford, which is like a middle grade book. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like the space that I'm, the other space in children's literature that I'm like looking at now is like, oh, should I write a YA book? I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. And it's interesting actually you said that because when you said that you're, you know, the award you won was actually a YA, an extract of a YA book. So it's kind of yeah. going back to what started everything off. So is yeah. that what you're thinking about? Or are you working on that at the moment? I have like something that I have like a couple of chapters of, but I just need to tracking on that and like write it up like my dream i'd hope to have like a first draft in like the middle of the year or something like that um so yeah but it is something that i want to work on next probably watch this space (laughs) that sounds fantastic i mean just enjoy the ride with marv i mean i think they are great books as i said to you um when i was first showing them by my sales rep they really popped the images really popped and i thought the stories were fantastic so i'm I'm sure they're just going to do really really well it's been so lovely chatting to you today, Alex. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat to me. I know you're really busy and best of luck with all of your exciting projects that are coming up. Thank you. All of the books mentioned during the podcast are available to buy from the Most Books website. This podcast has been presented and produced by members of the team at Mostly Books in Abingdon. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe because apparently it helps people find us.